pray. May the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today we're continuing this series of sermons entitled Sinning Like a Christian, The Seven Deadly Sins in the Community of Faith. Remember the metaphor for the series, the big old tree full of leaves with twigs and branches, each of those representing ways that people sin toward each other, toward God. And all of that is connected to seven big limbs on this tree, representing the seven deadly sins. No matter what the sin is that you can imagine, it's connected to one of these seven. Remember the seven deadly sins? You had pride, anger, greed, gluttony, lust, envy, and sloth. Now today we're going to focus on a deadly sin that uh, is particularly destructive to community life. And this is the deadly sin of anger. But before we go there, it's important to remember that, that all of these deadly sins are simply distortions of something that God had intended for good. Let me say that again, because this is important. All the seven deadly sins are distortions of something God had intended for good. Anger is an emotional response intended to energize us to do something good. But the brokenness of our lives distorts that, and it can become something that is hurtful and is divisive. Here's another way to think about it. We live in a broken world, we know that. There's a lot of bad stuff that happens in this world. And there are a lot of things that happen that ought to make us angry. And what are some of the things that ought to make us angry? For me, seeing other human beings being devalued makes me angry. Whether it's through abuse or some form of prejudice, seeing other human beings being devalued makes me angry. The question isn't whether we ought to be angry or not. There are some things that ought to make us angry. The question is, what's behind the anger? What's the condition of our heart out of which that anger is expressed? Is the condition of our heart one of love, so it's out of love that we express our anger? Or is there something else that's going on in there? Now, Jesus got angry. We see a number of stories in the scriptures of him becoming angry. In his last week of life, we see several instances. He makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The first stop is in the temple courtyard where, remember, he tosses over the tables of the money changers as he shouts out, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. He was angry at how businesses were taking advantage of the poor. The next day, back in the temple courtyard, he's people watching with his disciples and he points out some of the religious leaders and he tells his disciples to beware of them because they devour widows' property. He says they walk around in their long robes, they say their long prayers, but they're not who you think they are. They devour widows' property. In walks a widow. You can see their eyes follow her. 
They begin to smack their lips in anticipation as she reaches for her purse. They begin to drool as she drops her coins into the offering plate because they they devour widows' property. Remember, it was the responsibility of the temple to care for the poor and for the widows, not the responsibility of the widows to care for the religious leaders. Jesus becomes so angry at what he sees that he storms out. And his disciples follow him out. And in typical disciple fashion, they have no clue what is going on. And so they look back and they admire the buildings of the temple. They say, golly, Jesus, look at the size of those stones. Remember what Jesus says? You see those stones, not a single stone will be left one upon another. The whole place had become so corrupt because of of abuse, taking advantage of the poor. These things made Jesus angry. But his anger came out of a heart full of love. And we see that in the days that follow. When he meets with these very religious leaders who are devouring widows' property, he meets with them and talks with them in strong language in order to try to convict them to make changes to their life. And a couple of days later, he lays down his own life as an act of self-giving love to bring healing and reconciliation to people's lives, to this world. So his anger was coming out of a heart of love. But sin can distort our hearts. And we can end up expressing our anger out of a place that is not of love. Remember the big old tree again, the metaphor for the series of sermons. You've got the seven big limbs, the seven deadly sins, but they're all held up by one big trunk. And that trunk represents idolatry. All the seven deadly sins are connected to idolatry in some way. And by idolatry, I simply mean people worshiping someone other than God or something other than God. For there to be something other than God, that is of first concern in people's lives. When there's something other than God that's of first concern in people's lives, it affects our hearts. It affects our hearts. And there's brokenness that begins to happen. And we can act out of that brokenness and take the things that God intends and use them to bring harm instead of good. Anger is an emotional response to something that is displeasing. It's intended to energize us to do good. But that's not always how we express it. That's not always how we experience it. So let's pause and let's listen to Scripture. Joyce, will you read for us? I will read for you Matthew 5, 20 through 26. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to counsel. 
And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Ephesians 4, 25 and 26. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Joyce. Great preacher Frederick Buechner once said, of the seven deadly sins, anger is the most fun. To lick our wounds, to savor each toothsome morsel, both the pain that we have received and the pain that we're going to give, to roll our tongues over confrontations still to come. In many ways, anger is a feast fit for a king or for a queen. And isn't that the truth? I mean, anger, it must be fun. We hang on to it for so long. You know, playing situations over in our minds, thinking of what we can say or what we can do in response, how to make certain we get even, we take no prisoners, there'll be no survivors. Do you ever do that? Do you ever, you know, think about something that somebody has done that's caused you to be angry and you kind of play it over in your mind and you start thinking about what you're going to say next time you see the person or what you're going to do next time you see the person. And you're going to make certain to get your point across, right? You're going to make certain that they know how they hurt you. Going to make certain that they know that they're not going to get away with you with doing that to you ever again. Going to make certain they know how stupid a thing that was to have done. There's lots of things that make us angry. Some of them are big things. Some of them are little things. I mean, what are some of the little things that make you angry? Maybe crazy drivers in the freeway? Jeopardizing the safety of other people? Or maybe not being listened to? Being patronized? That can make people angry. Or how about seeing a loved one being mistreated? That's where we get the words mama bear, right? Or how about being lied to or manipulated or undermined? 
There's lots of things that can make us angry. I mean, heck, you might get angry today. Maybe you go home and you realize that you're down to your last roll of toilet paper. So you go out to the store in order to buy some more toilet paper, only to find that all the shelves are empty. And the only place you can find toilet paper now is in people's garages. There's lots of reasons why people might get angry. How about HOAs? You ever get angry or HOA? 13 months ago, February 2019, I remember this. I got a letter from our HOA telling me that I needed to pull some weeds in our front yard kind of on the side. And they took a picture of what they were talking about and included it in the letter. And I looked at the picture knowing we had no weeds in our front yard. The picture was of a dormant plant. It was February. <laughs> so I wrote to them and I explained to them there's no weeds in my front yard. The picture is of a dormant plant and it'll come back in the spring. And then in March, when it started to come back, I took a picture. I sent it to them just so they would know. Okay? You would think that it's case closed, right? February 2020, I get a letter in the mail from our HOA. They're complaining that I have some weeds in my front yard that I have to pull. They attached the picture. It's the picture of the same dormant plant. And I don't have time for this kind of nonsense I just don't have time for it. So this time I just sent them an, e an email suggesting that maybe they train their folks on the difference between a weed and a dormant plant. I have not heard back. <laughs> but there are things that can make us a little bit angry, right? Unresolved grief can make us angry. And that makes sense, because unresolved grief is grief that is, you know, is, has to do with a broken heart and is out of the brokenness of our lives that we can strike out at other people. We know how unresolved grief can make us angry in ways that can be hurtful. So too can fear. Fear can result in us getting angry in destructive ways. So too can... There, so too can being too many changes that are taking place in our lives and we start to feel like we're out of control or being too busy and not having enough time to get everything done or being under too much stress. These things can result in us getting angry. And this anger that we feel is simply, you know, an emotion that's intended to energize us to do something good about it but out of the brokenness of our lives, sometimes that's not exactly what happens. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 says, You've heard it said that if you murder, you're liable to judgment. But I say unto you, if you're angry at a brother or sister, you're liable for judgment. Jesus understood how this destructive kind of anger can be harmful to community, it can hurt people, and it eats away at our lives. It eats away at our lives. Years ago, I was counseling with a young man, brilliant man, wasn't a Christian, struggling with anger issues. We talked often over many months. 
And there came a point in time in our conversations where he decided he wanted to become a Christian. So he accepted Christ into his life. He became a Christian. A little while after that, he started receiving the healing that he needed for his anger. And then he brought me a gift. It's hanging on the wall in my office, if you've ever been in there. It's a Native American saying. And it's basically a conversation between a grandfather and a grandson. But the grandfather says to the grandson, it's as if there are two wolves that are fighting inside of my heart. One of them is kind and loving. And the other one is hateful and vengeful, angry. The grandson asks, which wolf is going to win? And the grandfather says, the one that I feed. The one that I feed. We feed our anger. It starts to fester. It starts to grow. It can lay a claim on our lives. Frederick Buechner said of the seven deadly sins, anger is the most fun. To lick our wounds, to smack our lips over grievances long past, to roll our tongue over confrontations yet to come, to savor each toothsome morsel, both the pain we have received and the pain that we are giving. In many ways, it's a feast fit for a king. And then he goes on to say, the problem is what you're wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is your own. It can eat away at us. It can claim our lives. And before long, the world starts to feel like a cold and hostile place because there's something cold and hostile that's growing within our own hearts. St. Paul understood this. He said, be angry, but don't sin, right? He goes on to say, don't let the, the sun go down on your anger. Don't leave room for the devil. In other words, when we get angry, deal with it. Deal with it so you can move on to reconciliation and do something that's good and that's healing. But how do we do that? How do we do that? When Paul says, don't let the sun go down in your anger, he is not saying, so just let him have it and get it over with. He's not saying, you know, make certain that you win, take no prisoners, no survivors, no one left standing. He's not saying that. He's saying, take anger seriously. It's important. Take it seriously because it has a big impact upon our lives. So how do we do that? How do we take it seriously? Well, remember, there's a difference between anger that is born out of love that seeks to be life-giving and this anger that is born out of the brokenness of our own hearts that can lash out toward other people and be hurtful. And the difference is the condition of our hearts, right? That's the difference is the condition of our hearts. And as Christians, we know that it's the work of God to be working on our hearts to help us to grow 
more and more in love with God and with one another to heal us of that brokenness. So we continue to pray and to read scripture and to come to worship and to do good for other people, trusting that God's working on us to help us grow us so that we love more and more and more. And that emotional response then comes out of love. But but until then, let me suggest four simple things that can be helpful when it comes to dealing with the anger in our lives. The first one, when you start feeling yourself getting angry, step back. It's simple. Just give yourself a little space to process. Whether you step back physically or emotionally or mentally, step back and process. And by that, I mean put words to how you're feeling. Put words to how you're feeling. Whether you need to write them down, write them in an email, don't hit send. Put words to how you're feeling. I felt disrespected. And I want that person to know what that feels like. Whatever it is, put words to it. Don't linger there okay? because it'll start to fester, right? Just simply put words. And then secondly, ask yourself a simple question. Why do I feel that way? Why do I feel that way? Remember that the anger that you're feeling may be justified. Anger in itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. It may be justified. The question is, what's behind the anger? Why do I feel like responding in this kind of way? Third, remember who you are. That you're a child of God. That our lives as children of God are not defined by other people's actions. Our lives are defined by the love and the mercy and the forgiveness and the grace of God. And as Christians, we do not live our lives in reaction to other people's actions. We live our lives in response to the love and the mercy and the forgiveness and the grace of God. We live our lives in response to grace. That's why Jesus says, forgive people who've harmed you, because we live in response to grace. That's why Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who want to harm you, because we live in response to grace. Remember who you are. Process. Ask yourself why you feel that way. Remember who you are. One more thing. And this is especially helpful when it comes to somebody that we know. Maybe it's a family member or a friend or somebody here at church or an acquaintance along the way. Ask yourself, what is more important? That I am right or that I reconcile? What is more important? That I get even or that I forgive? What is more important, that I speak hurtful words or that I speak words of love? What is more important? Process. Remember. Ask questions. Then speak. And when it comes to speaking, 
we have the perfect role model when it comes to speaking. Remember, Jesus is the very word of God. In John chapter 1, we hear that Jesus comes, was born into this world full of grace and full of truth. And both are important, grace and truth. They're both important. Grace without truth is cheap and it changes nothing. Truth without grace is harsh and it pretty much changes nothing. Grace and truth together change the world. They bring healing to people's lives. Opens up the possibility of reconciliation. So as we speak out of our anger, speak words of grace. Words that are concerned with the well-being of other people. And speak words of truth about how actions impact other people's lives and the harm that it can cause. Words of grace and words of truth. Open up the possibility of reconciliation. St. Paul tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ, ministers of reconciliation. It is the work of the people of God. Anger is an emotion intended to energize us to do something good in this world. To make a difference, to stand up against the injustices of this world and stand for the kingdom of God. It is, it is intended to energize us to do what is good. And as we do, as our anger is born out of a heart of love, we see that not only are there great blessings brought to people around us, but we ourselves are blessed, no longer being eaten away by this destructive anger that's so much a part of our world. This is the work of God. It's the work of the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen? Amen. Amen.